Hey, Happy Jackers, this is Kimmy. So after recording this episode, it was really obvious that our new studio system still wasn't recording well. So we ripped it out and redid it from the ground up. Listen to this small sample from our first try at an AP in this new studio. Uh, yes, I would like to task our ship's uh, advanced sensor technology. Yeah. Um, so that's we're going to roll with lasers, yes. which means you have to roll under your number. Of course. But you get all three dice. I just need to roll a one. That's, that's or two. not hard. Or two is fine. Yeah, one or two. I got three dice, yeah? Easy peasy. All right, here we go. As you can hear, it's so much better. So thank you for hanging in there. This will be the last episode with this echo metallic sounding problem. Thank you for your patience and continued support. Enjoy the episode. I've lived a thousand lives. I've piloted a thousand souls. I've killed and fought and died just for another goal. Hello and welcome. This is Season 30, Episode 3 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, where we combine friendship, tabletop RPGs, and unbridled enthusiasm to bring you a roundtable discussion on topics sent in from gamers around the world. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Jason. <laughs> in today's episode, we talk about the RPG news that WotC slash Hasbro has bought D&D Beyond. Um, Weasel Creature writes in and asks about digital t- digital tools. That's a fun thing to say. Digital, digital tools. tools. Um, I'm I halfway resemble. through this cider, too. Oh, my goodness. I might resemble that. Remark. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we're going to keep from, that we've learned from COVID at the in-person table. So mm. digital tools when we play in person. And what we're going to continue on with that. I'm more of an analog tool. <laughs> yes, you are definitely that tool. <laughs> And Sean near DC asks about PC gear and player agency. Mm. Um, if you'd like to be part of our show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And our past podcasts and streams are all available at our website at happyjacks.org, as well as links to our cool Discord community and social media and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, all right. I'm so going to start an online like database for players looking for GMs and call up the player agency. <laughs> oh, that's a really good... I'm not going to do that. Somebody wants to date around with it, with my blessing. Please yeah, do. yeah and for, for GMs as well, right? Yeah. Like, players need a GM, right? the GM needs players, like... Yeah. just But it'd be just a big pool. It's called the player agency, and then a GM, like, like it's like backstage or something. They go through and they find people who, you know, you genius. have a little resume, they go through and all oh, like... Yeah, everyone knows this, what backstage is. This person's interests are... Well, we were just talking theater nerd <laughs> stuff. You go through to your person's interests. Oh, they, they like sci-fi, they like Game of Thrones, and then, yeah. okay, cool, thing, they're going to be... I'm going to invite them to my group, and we'll see. The player agency. So I'm just making it up right now. Is it just a dating app? <laughs> it, it would be. Dating, yeah, it would be. App. Yes. I guess. Yeah, it's probably a, a dating app where you look for multiple partners, which is fine if everyone knows what you're into. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as everyone's on the same page. Like, people show up thinking it's something else. Yeah. Right. Hey, uh, this, this is a key party, you said, right? right. Like, no, no, we have to find the key. Yes. To this. The, oh. It's one of the seven keys of Entuzzler. Seven? Oh, well, my what goodness. What kind of party is this? But wait, you said that there were safety words involved. Mm. <laughs> safety tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, is that different? Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, announcements. New studio. Still in progress. Looking better, slowly but surely. It's also sounding 
much deader. Yeah. And, well, and in sound terms, that's a good thing. Dead. Yeah. So hopefully nobody's complained about echo yet. So fingers crossed that we've solved that problem or at least made it better that they're not going to complain about it. Um, but there's a whole <laughs> bunch of foam on the ceiling now um, that was oh, purchased by that. our fantastic, fantastic uh, Patreons and the people who uh, donated to our our new studio registry. So thank yeah, you. Doing the I'm, Muppet look. Yeah. Once I get it cleaned up, I'm going to take nice pictures and send it to everybody who helped out and bought us stuff. But right now there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really gross right off camera. It's yeah. Just like piles of stuff. So don't, don't lift up the sheet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't, don't, don't. Lift All up the studios curtain. are that way though. I, I know. mean, it's part of the, it's part of the charm of a studio. Yeah. Well, maybe when there's not like little walking paths, like a hoarder or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we're actually maybe going to, uh, oh, they say we solved the echo. Exciting. Um, and, uh, but we may try streaming an actual play soon. So if you get a random notification that we're streaming and it doesn't say test, please ignore, <laughs> it might be that we are trying out the studio for an actual play that we aren't telling anybody about because we don't want to like advertise <laughs> it and it be terrible. Shh. What? Nothing? I didn't say, I have a frog in my throat, mm. I told you. Yeah. The frog said tomorrow night. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Uh, FYI, we were recording this on Friday, April 15th. Um, <laughs> and uh, call to action. We need emails, please. So a lot of you have been writing in. I appreciate it. Um, you're all nice and are like, hey, Kimmy's in charge now. It's wonderful. We like it. God save the queen. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can keep sending those. She likes them. Yeah, I like them. But I have a question in there as well. Yeah, but but also please send in emails that have topics for us to talk about. Um, Weasel creature, we appreciate your enthusiasm, but like half my email box is you, so I can't. <laughs> I can't have just like the weasel creature like episode. It's, I guess we could. That's it, the new podcast. It's Happy yeah. Jacks reads weasel creatures weasel emails. Creatures it was the weasels. Katie. I mean. We used to do that with Jib. Like, it would be, like, a Jib episode because his emails were, like, four pages long. So it'd be like, and here's the one email we're doing for the next two hours. But, all right. Yeah, if you don't send us emails, uh, I'm likely to go rogue and just start talking about stuff, and nobody wants that. Or I'll sing. Ooh. Nobody wants that. <laughs> I don't want to do it. You don't want me to do it. This is not a threat. Don't it's, make me do it. It's really more of a, just, we'll be desperate. Something, something. something will happen. Something will happen. Um, yes. Uh, all right. And so, yeah, please send emails. Now, our first item that we're talking about. So, big news. A couple days ago, released this week. I think like two days ago, actually. So, a lot of people didn't realize that, like, Watsy didn't actually own D&D Beyond. Right? <laughs> Including me. Right? Until this week. I mean, I haven't really paid that much attention to D&D for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a little sad. When, when the news came up, I, 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 that was my first reaction to it was like, huh, they don't already own that? Yeah, I was like, is this April Fool's? Like, yeah. they, what? What? Yeah. Well, for so this week, uh, Watsi Hasbro actually bought D&D Beyond for $146 million. Maybe that's why they didn't own it. Because so much money. Well, they've been um, like licensing it. Yeah. And fandom, uh, they own um, like a big, the big wiki site that all every, all the big wikis are on. Oh, uh, right, Wikipedia right. Yeah, is fandom. on there yeah. and all of those. So um, they're not, they're not hurting for, right. for cash and content as it is. Um, but like they've been running it and they've had an arrangement with Hasbro slash Watsy. Um, but it seems like Wizards of the Coast in the last year, I guess, um, D&D Beyond has like doubled its, its 
uh, the last two years, I guess, has doubled the number of users. I think it's something like 10 million people are I using. They, I bet they want to capture the marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. So like 10 million users, um, now they have them now in-house. Um, and I guess they're bringing in some of the people who are currently doing it for fandom. So it's all in the up and up. Um, so they have made it clear that if you've bought, purchased something already, you get to keep it. Um, so, which was, I know everyone's first freak out because yeah. for so long, it's been a pain. Like if you bought a book in person that was, that was from Watsi, um, and regular D and D, if you wanted to have it on D and D beyond, you also had to purchase it there. You had yeah. to buy, purchase the digital copy. Um, you buy it twice. Yeah. You, 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 and you pay full price. I yeah. seem to remember Watsi was not real good at keeping their promises. Like, didn't they also have like an online gaming or uh, like an online player monster generator stuff? And then they pulled support for it. So it just didn't, it was just unsupported. You could use it up uh, to a point. They just, I don't know. And, and it seems like that's one of like three or four things that they just kind of abandoned or didn't, didn't put enough effort into mm -hmm. so i could see how people might be concerned that now that watsi's in charge what's going to happen to our slick running D, D beyond yeah now i'm the last person to defend D D on like really any level but i i do re recall some of what you're talking about and i think that was pre D D beyond it was as a product it was and D D beyond has brought in a lot of stuff like the encounter generator mm -hmm. or builder uh, the monster, mod like you can modify monsters and customize a lot of stuff. And like, like I simply would not play D and D if we weren't using D or if I wasn't allowed to use D and D Beyond. Right. I I just won't. I, I would consider playing it if the group is using D and D Beyond and we're all happy doing that. And that maybe that's why they want to buy it, is they know like, oh wow, this is yeah. becoming an essential tool. Um, and built into that is a a bunch of those collapsed promises that we watched to go by the wayside that's very well put and I, I i think that there's i just don't have a lot of trust between no, i about watsi's don't blame you judgment calls and, and yes maybe some of it's corporate they just they restructure and restructure and reassign people to the point where you get people in charge now that really don't know what's going on because they've reassigned and shuffled and even though they look good on paper they just don't know and things fall apart after that so i can i have concerns I have yeah concerns. um there was a big conversation in our Discord about this, um, about it, like, okay, well, it's been great. We've all put a bunch of money into it, and now it might be terrible. And, uh, like, what happens when uh, Wizards of the Coast does their next edition, which will eventually happen. Um, like, 5th edition is going strong right now, so it probably won't happen for a while. But since they will want to push people into whatever the next product is, then, oh, Oh, this no longer supports fifth edition. Very windows. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions and nervousness about that specifically. Um, but the one thing that everyone's hoping it does do is like, if you buy a book now, hopefully there'll be like a code in it that you'll just be able to plug into D and D Beyond. Yes, yeah, so you can... get both for one price now. Maybe they can't deny the effectiveness of of D and D Beyond. Watsi can't. They can't ignore it, and they've been licensing it, and they've and clearly they've been watching it. Well, and they just spent one hundred and fifty million dollars to say they did so, acknowledge it. So, so I'm so. sure that there's a, enough people there. They're like, don't break this. Okay, it's working fine. Let's not break this. However, sometimes the best laid plans, you know. Yeah, I think the real um, uh, um, unknown for me in that equation is Hasbro. Mm -hmm. Right, the, like 
not the Wizards of the Coast are are the paladins that they want us to believe, no. but they have been forced to do some things because Hasbro made them do it. Mm-hmm. And so to some extent, there's that sort of corporate overlord to contend with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I hope this is an opportunity for them to make things more accessible and, and more uh, available to, in different formats and screen readers and, you know, a lot of stuff that people need to uh, access that content. Yeah. My, but the other thing I'm curious about is there's a lot of um, like third party content on D and D Beyond right now, mm-hmm. and what's going to happen with that? Yeah, like they've said, like if you've bought something, you get to keep it. Like, does that apply to third party content that you've bought on there, or is it they, are they going to wipe everything that's not proprietary? After the whole Pathfinder debacle, like where they got stung with their open license, I I don't know if they even really support third party stuff anymore. To be fair, I don't play D and D. I haven't played D and D in a since fourth edition, so I'm really not up on it. Which yeah, is I know terrible you... here. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I, well, I know you can. Sorry, I keep talking over you. Um, I know you can release stuff um, through like Drive Through RPG. Um, and, you know, they take mm-hmm. part of it, and there's like the licensing thing you can do through there. But I don't know how that works with D and D Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that it would be similar, um, and because it, it has been like hand in hand with the actual you know Wizards of the Coast for a while, and they've been kind of like. Uh, it's been a partnership, so hopefully I'll. They may work out a licensing stay. agreement with third-party stuff, which is as long as they pay X amount of money, mm-hmm. then they can have their stuff there. And once their payment stops, then they get pulled. Yeah, yeah. kind of like putting your stuff up in uh, like Apple Play. You know, like mm-hmm. they're going to get their cut. You can host it here. They can boot you out whenever they want. Uh, you know, I don't know something like that. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, well, like. Star Wars, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, MMO. Um, they pay a licensing fee to, it was Lucasfilm, and now it's Disney. And it's going along, and nobody seems to be bothering them, and they keep putting out new content. And so Disney leaves them alone, which is surprising, considering how controlling Disney can be with their yeah. with their IPLs. But they have the most control. They might even say, this is working just fine. You guys have done a really great job for going on 15 years now. We're not going to mess with it. I, I just would love a sequel to that game. Right? I, I personally liked that game a lot, <laughs> right? and I would love to see it move into the uh, 21st century. There's much. There's been much talk about Knights of the Old Republic. I'm actually talking about the MMO, which is Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah, I'm talking about the MMO as well. Yeah, okay. I, I never played the other game, um, I, but... This, the MMO was a lot oh, of fun. Looked great. Oh, yeah. It's still into... playable too. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. not in bad shape. It just oh. needs a graphic overhaul and a and a systems update. Like they they need to rework their the mechanics. Were all... so great. They were fantastic. But they did all the characters kind of have like ten movements that they all do. Just yeah. When they're talking and so yeah, there's a lot of gesturing. Um, many of the same gestures and many of the same scenes and different scenes. Yeah. Oh, but the amount of voice acting that oh, went yeah. into it was unbelievable. No MMO has done that before or since. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. The, the storylines, each and every one of them is unique and interesting. Yep. And it's like you want to play all of them because it takes you on a different journey. It's so great. Yeah. Anyway, I, I dig- we digress. That's okay. Welcome to our SWOTOR podcast. <laughs> it's a talk show. Yeah. I got so many hours in that during the pandemic. Yeah. I spent so much money on cool outfits. And like I real life probably... money. Yeah. I didn't know you were... I thought you said you couldn't play it because of... Oh, because you were on Apple. I remember talking to you about it years ago when I was playing. Oh, you yeah, were yeah. Like, I, on Apple, I couldn't play it. But during the pandemic, I have a PC. What did you end up playing? Um, what did you make? God, I don't remember. It's been a while now. Um, but yeah, especially... You made like, a Jedi Sentinel. 
That's right. Focused on DPS. Yes. That's what I did. Dual I made, wielding. made a little Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, Togruta, yeah. yeah. But she was like pastel. She kind of looked like an Easter egg. Yeah, I, I made it, it before they had the Togruta model, so I ended up with a little greeny girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and But yeah, I made that. And they're hard to deal with because they can't take any damage at all. They're just like the ranger of, <laughs> of uh, the Star Wars universe because they would just get clobbered. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm super interested to see what happens coming back to the actual thing we're talking about. Um, what happens next? Hopefully, it stays a great product because again, it's the only reason I'm playing D and D right now. Is yeah, because, is because I can hit a thing and it like I can look it up. I don't have to sit and like PDF search or flip through a book or anything. Right. I'm like, what does this power do? Click. Oh, a little bubble pops up and tells me exactly what it does. Yeah, amazing. I used to have all the rules to D&D memorized back in the day when I was young and my brain still worked and it was only second edition, first edition, but advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And so it's weird that it's gotten so big and unwieldy that you literally need something like this to keep track of it, to make it work. You know who has like all of it memorized is Nick. Okay. Nick, Nick knows so much about D&D. Although he also is just um, a genius. Yes. So that's a thing that he doesn't get credit. Like, people don't realize this about him. He is incredibly smart. Absolutely. And just absorbs information and has it at his beck and call. Like, he's a wizard. Yeah. That's that's my best explanation. He's also still pretty young, right? He's I think, no, he's pickled by alcohol my age. And head injuries. Okay. <laughs> I'm younger than him. That's what's important. But yeah, it's we're playing D and D right now, and every once in a while, like it's like I'm looking for something, and then he like just pops up with it in in Zoom. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, our GM is like, our DM is like, uh, how does this work, Nick? And he'll just do that with Burps, and the movie yeah. is able to do it too. The movie is uh, able to even almost tell you page numbers, but he oh, nice. and and wrote books on Burps, so he knew it inside and out. But it's great when you run into a GM like that, so you don't actually need the big unwieldy computer database to make it work. I was gonna try and reach out. I forgot. I was gonna try and reach out, reach out to Mook's family, to see if they had any plans for the Mook.net because there's so much incredible GURPS content there. And like people like who've never heard our show, I run into them on Discord and stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I use this website called the Mook.net for all my GURPS stuff." It's like so well known, and I'm just like worried that. He's a great friend of the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just worried that. Love the game. Did you ever play in a group? I never. I never got to meet him. He was one of the most enthusiastic GMs. He loved. I always wanted to. Loved his players. We just our paths never crossed, and then yeah, COVID, and yeah, it was a bummer. All right. I was once asked by Stu, like, what do you, what makes a good GM? And I had to think about it as like the top thing, and that was like, it's. Being a fan of your players. Yeah, absolutely. It helps a lot. And he was a huge fan of the players. It's like every stupid thing we'd said, he'd be like, tell me, yeah, that sounds great. What a, a hell of a hit, hell of a hit. And he'd be rolling his dice and telling you the rules. It was just, when she gets excited, you'd get excited. And it's this feedback loop. It was yeah. Great. You, you can tell when the GM's trying to kill you. <laughs> and, and you know, there's, there's a version of that mode. where like, like, I've gone into Halloween games, right? We're going to do Halloween one-shot, like, and I am going to try to murder you. Like, okay, this is fun. You know, like, we're all on the same page with that. But, like, in a campaign, like, we, we want to tell a fun story, you know? Like, let's... Well, the yeah. adversarial GM. Yeah, that that's not fun. All right. Want to read the first email? Sure. What you both said, sure, we did. perfectly at the exact same time. Uh, you do it. You do it. Okay. Like synchronized. Solante, Kimmy, and the Brew Crew. No. 
Kimmy and the Remy crew? Definitely no. <laughs> Definitely not. not. Uh, I feel like Kimmy. you really thought the Remy thing through, but in my dirty brain, like, yeah, no. Definitely yeah, no. That's why. Definitely no. <laughs> uh, hi, Kimmy and guests. Congratulations on your nonviolent coup of the Jacker Network. You assume. I've been yeah. admiring your mechanisms. Have you of... seen Stu since I took over? Right. Coincidence? Mm-hmm. How do you know it's nonviolent? You know, I think you can't say Kimmy without Machiavelli. Right? No. It's kind of, there's no M in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there it's is. It's in there, yeah. yeah. Starts yeah. with M. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, I just made it up. I don't think there's a K in Machiavelli. What's the K? Mach Don't correct me. <laughs> That's where Mach Speed came from. <laughs> or Machadu about nothing? Yeah. Okay. Uh... Or, or the Mach 5. Yeah, right. Because exactly. it, it was it, it, machinations and it's a mechanical thing. Exactly. And I'm right. I'm reason now. Okay. Congratulations on your nonviolent coup of the Jacker Network. I've been admiring your machinations over the years from coming as a, in as a guest host, gaining Stu's trust, hitting the APs, and finally convincing Stu he's too old and needs to step down. Genius! <laughs> Now that, theoretically, the pandemic is getting to a point where more in-person gaming will be happening, I'm wondering if anyone is planning on utilizing or increasing utilization of electronics during in-person games. My wife has dabbed in using Roll20 in games before the pandemic for maps and graphics and such, and I see that still being used in person. I've run the Aliens RPG, including Adventure, uh, a couple of times on Roll20, it's so freaking fun to run and see everybody's mouths drop open in surprise at various backstabbings. Not only can I not imagine using scraps of paper for all the secret notes, but I'm also wondering if it would still be better to only do virtually. So many private notes back and forth. Uh, but I'm eager to try it in person. I know things like texting, Slack, and Discord have increased presence at the table. I'm just wondering... If folks have thought or, of or discovered new ways to incorporate some of the pandemic practices, keep rolling them grits, weasel creature. P.S. Look twice for motorcyclists. Cheers to that. Yeah, absolutely. As someone who had some close calls when I was riding my motorcycle, yes, please always That's look right. twice. I forgot you were a motorcycle rider yep. for, yeah. for a hot minute. Totally. Remember Chad? Like... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Trying not to. He got me into motorcycles. Yeah. That's before Jason's time. I don't know Chad. No. His name wasn't Chad. They all started calling oh, him Chad. Oh, okay. Because he I, wasn't Chad? Yeah, he was the... Yeah. I invited him as my boyfriend to come hang out with my friends and play D&D. Um, he immediately whipped out his laptop and started raiding in WoW while we were at the table playing D&D. Yeah. He was, he was not a keeper. But he taught me about motorcycles, so that was pretty cool. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Hmm. We try not to think about it. It gave us a lot of podcast content, I'm just going to say. <laughs> wow. He, he was a good rebound. It was All fun. right. All right. He had a cool motorcycle, too. Um, it was did. like some pink yeah, going All right. It was very nice. So, to, to Weasel Preacher's point, <laughs> yes. what, what, if any, pandemic gaming habits do you think you'll bring to your actual table? There's... I, I do like electronic note take the the note stuff back and forth. I I think I don't know. I don't know if there's really much because really the only difference for me was just doing it all virtual. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, most of the gaming I do now is with cameras and virtual anyway. Yeah. It's just 
there's just more people in the room now, but it's still the same muscles that I'm using. So I'm not sure if I have really been in this position to answer this. D and D beyond for sure. Like whenever I play D and D, even if I'm at the table, I will have a laptop or a tablet and have D and D beyond. As long as they don't fuck it up. Um, but I'm not yeah. sure that you can play D and D without it anyway. Well, you can. You can. Well, like, we have why? Nick with you, and you can just regurgitate the rules. <laughs> I mean, you could say, okay, we're playing with the three core books, and go with that, and make, print out some paper character sheets. Like, you can still roll with that. Like, yeah. it's just playable. But you, as a GM, you got to be really good at coming up with uh, encounters on the fly and yeah, doing all that those is, shortcuts. It is tricky. Stuff. I mean, you have to prep as yeah. a D&D GM. You have to. DM. Yeah. It's, it's wild. <laughs> What? Yeah. You have to, like, plan ahead? You can't improv everything? I I really struggle with online tools. Even after, you know, a year and a half, two years of playing online games, um, I'm kind of with Stork on this. Like, I I haven't picked up anything that I wasn't already doing. Like, maybe I've been messaging a little bit, but I never really liked Table Secrets anyway. And so I have not used to passing a lot of notes back and forth. And anytime I've tried, I, I would love to play a game with somebody who just rocks and rolls with Roll20 or whatever, like any of those systems. I've never played a game on one of those systems and had everything go smoothly and everyone's having a great time. Like something falls apart, something doesn't work, something is clunkier mm-hmm. than just like, I, oh God, I just say, I, I go around the rock. Okay, okay, stop trying to move it. Don't worry. Stop it's it, like, stop it. let's keep moving. Yeah, yeah. like. Don't worry about it. It's a marching order. You don't need to spend 20 minutes putting everybody in the same order. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, I, but that's just, that's just like my opinion, man. <laughs> uh, shit has come to light. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we flip this on his head. Because to me, I've learned more now about gaming online than I ever did because of the pandemic. And it seems like there's more tools available. Mm-hmm. Things are running smoother. By flipping it on its head, I see that as more of a future for gaming. We always used to complain when we first started that it was a big time sink to drive across town, to sit down with people, mm-hmm. the game, there was a lot of scheduling involved, and now the only barrier to playing is, you know, putting on clothes and turning your computer on. I mean, it's the first one's sort of optional. Half, half. As long as you have a sweatshirt on, you're like... As long as you don't... Anyway, there was a, there was a really traumatic email that we read a million years ago mm-hmm. about somebody Donald Ducking, and it was awful. Mm. The way it ended was awful, and so I don't even like to oh, joke man. about it. It oh, was, wow. It, oh, it was okay. awful. I don't even like to joke about it. It was it scarred me. But well, my point <laughs> is that the whole the whole online gaming thing works so much better now to a point now where like I actually don't mind being able to sit down and game for 4 hours on a Friday night or something because and I don't have to worry about driving across town I'm exhausted or whatever because it's, it's just upstairs yeah. in my office or whatever it is and it's I, not it, 30 minutes each way to someone's house and yeah. I think in many ways it, the pandemic has increased our ability to game rather than decreased it I think it's it's a good thing people are so used to it now it's it's actually expanding the hobby and look at the purchases of D&D Beyond in the last two years yeah, yeah. if that is a marker of how many people are now gaming and most of it on, let's assume online it's a big deal yeah I think um I love digital tools, especially the last few years have forced me to move a lot of my teaching online, which has really expanded my understanding of what's possible for free, especially through like Google Suites. Um, I love, I probably, if I ever do a game that requires maps again, I don't think I'll ever have table maps because it's really easy to drop stuff in like Jamboard or something. And then everybody just has their own, um, like you have your little circles on there and everybody just has their own 
device and can move their things around, everybody's seeing it. And I can buy these beautiful map sets or, you know, support people on Patreon who you get free maps every month or whatever. And you just drop them in digitally yeah. and everyone can access it through a link. I just shoot out a link on whatever chat program we're using, if it's Discord or Slack or whatever it is. Um, and everyone can just sit there and see the same thing, like synchronized at that same moment, like watch, see each other move their little minis. They don't have to like reach across the table. If you have to stop in the middle of it, just log out. You don't have to worry about, oh, right. we have to use this table for dinner now. So let's yeah, move everything. Roll everything up. Take and... a picture. Remember where everybody oh, was. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> so I love, I love that. Um, I've also loved incorporating stuff like that with my students because it's free. It's through Google Suites. It's amazing and really easy to do. And I really do need to write up something about how to do it. <laughs> but um, another thing I really have loved is I don't really like table secrets either, but I love the drama that like miscommunications give. Mm -hmm. And um, there's been a couple times in games I've done online where um, like one character spoke the language we needed and other characters didn't. And it's not necessarily a secret, but the GM would message the person who spoke the language. So we all knew that they were talking to that person. Yeah. But the GM like sends the message to them through discord is the one, the example I was playing an online game sure. and it was really fun how it affected the play style, what the, what the player read there and then told the rest of us and how that changed what we did versus if the GM had just said it out loud, like, okay, this is in, you know, gnomish, but here you go. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what language we're supposed pretend to Pretend you didn't hear. Yeah. yeah. So I, again, I, I don't like table secrets either. I generally just like say secrets out loud and everybody yeah. don't bet a game because you're not assholes. Yeah. But stuff like that, like it adds an element because even if you're trying really hard not to metagame, like it's, it's, it's almost sometimes. impossible. No, but just, it, it's an information dump yeah. sometimes and you forget which information you're supposed to know and not yeah. supposed to know. So and, I really love that use of technology and I think I will continue to do stuff like that at the table, especially when like languages and there might be like miscommunication that could cause fun drama. But so exciting. Really elegant board games even make use of imperfect information. Yes. Right? Like, I, or even like Texas Hold'em Poker mm -hmm. makes use of imperfect information. And it, and it does. It, it adds tension. It adds stakes. It, it uh, raises questions of like, well, okay, you're, what 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 they say? What did you say to them? Yeah. You know, like yeah, like that. That is like really draws is you that, in character. Is that the one where you put the card on your forehead? Yeah, and everybody that's the one. That's <laughs> yeah, so everybody, it everybody's looking at the card. Yeah, <laughs> um, but Love it, that. Uh, <laughs> great example. Just I I I don't mind having the the like suspension like that that tension of we know something just happened mm -hmm. you know um, versus the like. Slipping a note to the DM like I'm gonna go through everyone's backpack while they sleep. Like, okay, but yeah. see, okay, <laughs> see, I like I like being able to send secret notes like that. It sucks that you have a character that wants to go through your backpacks at night, but I do like the fact that I don't know because now I'm burdened with the information that this dude's a douche, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to play along with him. And if I don't know, if we find out later, it helps. Also, sometimes there's things like in your backstory that you don't want everybody to know, but you want to ask the GM, like, you know, can I use my you know, relative who works in the Thieves Guild here? Can I contact them secretly? You mm. know, and sometimes you just don't want it. You're not ready to let the rest of the players know that you 
have a thief in your or whatever. Sure. Yeah. So I don't necessarily mind digital secrets. Uh, I, I don't necessarily mind note passing. Um, I actually prefer it in many ways because again, I get armed with all, I get dumped with all this information, and now I have to be very careful about what I know versus what I think I know versus. You know, all the, I don't like what your character is doing and it's pissing me off, but if I didn't know, then I'd still like you. Um, it's It can be... It takes a lot more manpower to start, to parse through all of the secrets and non-secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reminded of another online quirk that has occurred to me that I didn't realize I had learned being in the studio and like recording a game. Mm-hmm. But I have learned up to not table talk while someone else is talking, mm-hmm. right? Not that it's like so, some games. It's okay to have that table talk of we're all doing a bit of the meta game because it's like, we're planning or whatever, right? That's fine. But um, you don't like. I remember being at lots and lots of games where like I'm talking to whoever's turn it is, and there's another conversation happening at the end of the table, and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, wait, what happened? Yeah, like. Fucker, like, excuse me. Uh, that is true. Um, I always, I found that really frustrating. Whether I was the GM or I was sitting next to the, or, or even I did get pulled into a conversation and I'm like, oh crap, now I'm the guy. Yeah. You know, like, I'm as guilty of it. But um, the discipline I learned from playing here, in, you know, in a studio mm-hmm. that's being recorded and you can't record multiple voices. We don't have multi-track, <laughs> you know. And so... The um, casual games that I've joined in the last couple years, everyone has figured out, like, oh, yeah, we we can't have side conversations. Or if they happen, they're happening in a text chat, mm-hmm. which doesn't interrupt anyone else. And it's relatively easy to type something and still listen, or at least I find that yeah. somewhat, uh, uh, you know, what, what's the word I want? Like, that, those things can mesh together in my mind. Congress. Yeah. Multitask. Yeah. yeah. Um, versus, like, if I'm talking or listening, I definitely can't listen to someone else right. to two people at the same time. So that is one thing that I definitely have taken away from this is I'm I'm glad that more people are having a gaming experience where only one person is speaking and mm-hmm. we're all taking the moment to be active listeners. That's an really interesting point. My brother has pointed out that my whole family and really a lot of my friends, when we're in conversation, we get excited. We all talk at the same time and we all yeah. talk on top of each other. And it's and it's indicative of this modern age, but it's really a part of my family. Like to a man, we all of us yeah. will talk on top of each other. And you are right; it allows us now being on this podcast and such allows us now to actually stop and listen and wait for someone to finish their thought before then you jump in, which is really just being a polite listener or being a polite person. Yeah. But we all have forgotten it in our modern rush. Did something? Nope. No, nothing's <laughs> wrong. Nothing. Nothing's wrong here. Nope. Keep moving on. It's off camera. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, your one eyes of, got one wide. Of my for a very nice wire things just fell a little bit, but it's so, you don't see. It. I, I'm I am reinforcing your point in that I think it's made us better people because we now stop and listen and let somebody finish their. Unless you get really drunk and really excited, and then you start talking on top of each other. And even now, like, just say I, my name, Stork. No, just say I'm it's the me. worst, and I I see it when I do it. It flies out of my mouth, and I interrupt <laughs> people, and I cut off their their thought because I had a thought. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to hold on to a thought sometimes, especially if you're waiting and waiting and the conversation starts to drift away from where your thought was relevant. Yeah. yeah. But it has made us more polite people. I think. And, and sometimes it's okay to let that thought go. And, you know, I do have to agree with you, Stork. I am a better person. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, my whole family's that same way. Like, 
we're all theater people. We're talking on top of each other. Like it's been, it, it was a huge adjustment for my husband, whose family is very much not that way. And it was a huge adjustment for me right? to go back and he's, his family is very much like quiet. You go and you talk to somebody looking at them. My family's like, you talk on top of each other. You have conversations like across the house at each other. Like I still have to catch myself to like, not try and talk to him when he's in the other room. He's a very good listener. He's, Oftentimes when I have a conversation with him, he, he is present and focuses mm -hmm. and he, he makes all the, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. he's great. Yeah. And it's, you're right. It makes me feel so much worse about how <laughs> terrible I am. But you're you're right about. But all of our friends do this. If yeah. you go to a backyard party with Stu and everything, we're all of us interrupting each other, trying to be witty and clever, or we just want to finish a thought, or we're very excited, or we're and, breaking a song. Well, there's that too. But but really, <laughs> it's just about basic conversation. We kind of all talk too quickly and want to finish up the conversation and move on. We don't take the time to sit back and listen. But right. being in a podcast like this or be the digital world, we've all had to like, take a deep breath, mm -hmm. let somebody finish and we can all move on. It's an interesting observation. I sometimes joke, but it, it's very true. Like starting to stream our games solved all my problems with gaming because really? people can't talk over each other and people show up because they want to be on camera. Yeah, and they show up on time. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Mostly. I mean, better than... Better than... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're, they're closer to the schedule. They're less likely to drop out of games and they're better about not talking over each other. Yeah. And, and at least if somebody is not paying attention, maybe they're looking at their phone, maybe... And, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. I'm not the guy who's like, oh, take people's phones away at the table. Like, well, come on. Let grownups be grownups. And like... If somebody needs to look at their phone or they need that dopamine boost or like what whatever, yeah. it's, that's fine. Besides, it's D&D. &D. We're in combat. It's your turn. It's going to be another hour and a half before right. it gets back to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that that's the problem. But when we're in studio or now with online games, if somebody's getting distracted, usually only they are distracted. They're not taking anyone down with them. <laughs> and again, I don't mean that as harsh as it sounds, no, but like, brilliant. but that's fine. People get distracted. We all do. We all, they're like, oh, I'm going to Google this thing on Amazon real quick. Like, uh, fine, whatever. Uh, I've, I've definitely looked stuff up while I've been gaming online at my computer. And it, either it was because I was like, oh, when were firearms invented? And, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I'm not bothering anyone else mm -hmm. when that happens. And uh, that, that feels like an improvement to me. So that's something that I know if I go back to an in-person table that was just a casual home game, I know I would be sitting there like ho like hoping nobody talks over each other because I'm not going to know how to respond to that. Huh. <laughs> um, one more thing that I think I'm going to keep that actually, not all the, not all the time, but... Um, We've played a game, and this is 100% because of COVID. We were playing a game outside, mm. and then we were playing a game around a fire pit um, because it was like, this is the furniture we have outside. Is the 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 furniture around the fire pit and instead of like setting up? A, being yeah, outside and, and being outside. That's why we did it because it was safer. And my daughter's still too young to be vaccinated and all those things. Actually, she's in the trials. It's very exciting. But um, she uh, but to protect her, we've been like really careful about letting people in the house, things like that. So people came over and we gamed around my fire pit. Uh, we tried with real dice 
a couple times that ended terribly. At least twice, Joey's whole dice bag into the cracks and, around yeah. the thing, like and like I have like these big pavers which are like four by two and in between them are little gaps with little rocks very artful gaps it's beautiful yeah. except it is like death if you drop dice because it will winnow its way all the way to the bottom yeah they just and we ended up like in the dark like with our phone flashlights like trying to find all of joey's very like curated beautiful collection of yeah, dice they're they're awesome <laughs> They're beautiful, and they just, like... And they were running for their goddamn lives. Yeah, my, my patio just, like, swallowed them whole. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually really liked the freedom. We all ended up downloading Dice apps. And they're so um, just easy now. You yeah. shake your phone, and boo -boo -doo, and you can set which, like, a mix of what dice you want. Yeah. And I loved the freedom that that gave us to just chill out and like we made s'mores one time and like all these things and we didn't have to worry about dropping dice yeah we and i loved that piece the freedom we didn't have to be at a table we didn't have to have dice trays i love the i love my dice collection also like it's it's better than joey's but um did it get shady fired? It yeah i'm oh i'm cold <laughs> we'll see if joey like listens to this because we'll we'll, we'll know yeah phone will blow up <laughs> ding, 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 ding. yeah but um so i liked the the kind of freedom that gave us in a weird way like we could literally go play anywhere not have to worry about actually rolling dice as much fun as that is yeah um, oh and another part of that was because we had devices at the ready, even when we had paper character sheets, we didn't need great lighting. Right. Right. Like I had a picture of my character sheet. I could zoom in, which is also great. I'm dyslexic and I have poor eyesight. Like I have pretty good night vision. Mm -hmm. The end. Yeah. <laughs> so um, being able to have, you know, not worrying about the lights or the lamps or somebody looking at me because I have my phone out of like, no, no, look at my character sheet. Shut up. <laughs> like, yeah, it's. You know, Kimmy's the worst about judging people for being on their phone. I was so, not... no, never. That never happened. But it's believable, and people are on my side about it. I, yes, I, that's accurate. I think, I think one of the artifacts we're all going to carry with us into our tabletop gaming is having a, a tablet or a laptop or whatever to help with the gaming experience. Yeah. Um, the phones are fine, but it's re it is really nice to have like a full size character sheet or the books and all of that mm. on, on a digital format, so you can be looking through them yourself. I think that that's going to it streamlines everybody's life, yeah. so that you're not carrying around the entire book bag full of books. I still do because it is nice to hand them out while you're going through a book. You can hand it out to somebody else who doesn't. Anyway, the point is that I think that that's all still going to be with us. So maybe that's my answer. Mm -hmm. There, are weasel creature. That's what I'm going to keep is all of the digital files and stuff that I will now take with me to games. Mm -hmm. I resisted, I think, for the longest time. We were all a bunch of curmudgeons, like, no, yeah. I still need to write I it like out. No, book. I like Office. And I still like a book. Yeah. But I do like a digital uh, character sheet, and I do like having it there for like yeah. if I. If, it's always there. Yeah, and then we got Traveler Fifth Edition and Screw all that. all the books that burned us by their terrible layout and terrible organization, and we're just like, "Oh, this is now going to keep this table level." Yeah. I'm never playing that out of that book. Yeah, I have a very good looking bookshelf in my office, and it's full, it's dusty with books that I'll never get you read. I mean, this happened to me on every edition of Shadowrun. Yeah, you know, and and I like I picked up Shadowrun in '89 when I was 12. Sorry, Stork, but. <laughs> 
I, oh, you know, Vega. 12 year old learning first edition Shadowrun, imagine my dedication. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Give me a little credit for that, at least. A I picked lot. up the first one, Shadowrun 2, in my 20s or early 30s and such, and it was a bear yeah. to figure out. Yeah. It made no sense. I don't think we played most of the rules right. <laughs> but, but look, tried. I'll tell you what, when you have a rule in there that's like, hey, look, when you throw a grenade in a room, it's going to bounce a lot. And here's the distance to this wall and this wall. But don't worry. If you throw a grenade in an elevator, that's just called the chunky salsa effect. <laughs> don't roll the dice. <laughs> nice. Um, Do you at least roll to see if it went off? It's like a dud or something? Oh, uh, we yeah. I mean, we would roll anyway because people had armor and yeah. it was whatever. But it was like, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's all of lot. it. All of the damage. Um, but that was... Uh, Every time in the new edition, I was like, second edition was much better. <laughs> and third edition was much they better. They were able to afford an editor. Yeah. 5e <laughs> didn't really improve on 4e, but like that seems to be a theme. So, um, no, no, fifth edition Traveler is great um, compared to, uh, no. I like it better. Fifth edition. Wait, wow. wait, wait, no, no, no. What no, am I no, saying? No, 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 no. No. What am I saying? Shadowrun is what you're talking about. No, no, you're talking about Mongoose Traveler. Yeah, Mongoose Traveler. And the Traveler second edition of Mongoose Traveler. But fifth edition Traveler was released by... Nightmare. Oh, okay, that's not what I meant. I, I meant the the one that I played. Yes, yes. with Mongoose Bill. It was great. Yeah, yes. okay. That's Mongoose Traveler. Second edition Mongoose Traveler. Yes. I like that a lot. That, that one's... Okay. Chef's Kiss. Uh, fifth edition, we were all super excited about. Dumped a bunch of money into. Got the books and could... Like, even the spines were, like, falling apart. It was uh... awful. And the whole, like, first half of the book, well, not half, but the first, I don't know, yeah. 70 pages is full of probability charts. Yeah. Like, that's important. Before you even start reading, you got to get that down. Like, okay, clearly I'm I'm not qualified enough to get to the rest well, of this I'll book. I'll do my own math. Thank you. Can you can tell how bitter we are. Like, all these years later, we're still bitching about these books. Right. Well, it was just sort of that whole bait and switch. It was like the guy that created Traveler, and which we all admired and all that. He, he Dave always has the best story. He... he it came out of his DeLorean from, from the, from the <laughs> 1970s and said, I'll show you kids how to ride an RPG. There you go. And took all his money, got back in his DeLorean and went back to the 1970s. <laughs> and we all were left with these books that were like like this it, thick. Yeah. They were huge. Whoa. They were like two inches, three inches thick. And just like, oh. And I've been told that there's there was a, a bunch of addendums and such. And once you learn to play it, it works great. But it was so off-putting that it's yeah. like, why? Yeah. You know, which is a, a cautionary tale, which is take the time to make your book readable and playable, mm -hmm. right? I, 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 we've talked about White Wolf and their um, vampire books and all of that. It's like I, the book is full of really pretty things, but you don't intermix it with your rules, for God's sakes. Mm. It takes me 20 minutes to figure out, like, you know, oh, it's one little chart on the, in gold lettering on a black background yeah. uh, on the side of a page to find the information I need. What just... Put it somewhere where it can read. Why didn't you just memorize where it was? I'm not Nick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I never had too much trouble with the vampire books. Um, no, but the, I have the exact same feeling about White Wolf books. Yeah. Is that it's just buried everywhere. Yeah. I, I remember things better if they're like like story format. Like if there's mm. like a story and then the, like or, or like uh, fluff and then there's like the table that has to do with the fluff. I actually remember that stuff better then because it's like in a context than if it's just like these are the the tables and then here's the fluff like those things get disconnected no, for me they would have like like just fluff and like sheets of like a, a police 
police files, profiles, like sort of stacked yeah. on each other, and then next to the wound table, right? But it's in black with gold lettering, and so you yeah. you would just overlook it because it was part of the graphics. Yeah, it looks um, like a part of the and, art. So, I yeah. like that. <laughs> but I, it is hard to find things at that point, which is why PDFs are superior, searchable PDFs specifically. I still do buy books, um, but mostly like Kickstarters. If I see something that's just like beautiful, mm. like the One Ring, I, I backed that Kickstarter, yeah. and the book is so beautiful. Coyote and Crow. Yeah. Oh, the art for that is beautiful. That's why I picked up up Numenera. Yeah. Um, And I just backed um, Shield Maidens, which is by Mongoose. They're releasing. I don't know that one. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's like Samantha. I'm going to have, I'm going to try and run like an all women, like uh, AP of it. If I, if I like it when I get here, when it gets here. Um, Beautiful art. It's uh, like cyberpunk, sh- like Viking shield maidens yeah. in the future. Okay. I like everything you just said. Yeah. Like Freya came down, like Ragnarok happened. So you've got this like tech Viking magic mesh. And like it's it, the creative team is mostly women and non-binary people. Like I think the two artists are men, but the person who's like supervising the artist is all women. Because that was my first like thing when I was like, "Oh, good, a game all about shield mated women that's yeah. probably written all by men." And then they're, they're all in chainmail bikinis. Yeah, <laughs> but the art looks really cool. So I was like, "Oh, I, I feel really good about this." But then it like I had to search for a while. And thank you for everyone on Twitter who helped me. Like, hey, it's in update number five. Um, so then I was like, I will back immediately. Um, so I'm really excited. I really about like Mongoose's style. When they first came out, they did things like Traveler and RuneQuest, and they yeah. would sort of repackage them and re- redo them and, and update them. And I really liked the, the products. They had um, RuneQuest for a while, and then RuneQuest took it back, so they had to gut it and sort of made their own. But my, my point is that everything they touched was better for it. Yeah. Mm. And they were very smart about their IPOs and how they dealt with them and supporting them. Yeah. And I have nothing to say but great things about Mongoose and the way they do business. Yeah, so so I expect I'm, great things. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. So I backed that. Um, I have no idea when any of it's coming because I backed it like yesterday. But <laughs> I would excited. love to interview the Mongoose people someday if we could get a hold of like I, I would love to because they brought Traveler back into existence. Yeah, that's still my favorite way to play. I love Traveler and it's my their edition of Traveler is my favorite. I know. And they still release a bunch of stuff for it which is great. I, that's what I mean. They're still supporting it. So it's a I don't know. It's a really interesting company about how they go about doing their business. And it's yeah. probably run out of a flat in Britain, you know, and they just <laughs> print on demand. But it's still, it's astonishing to me the quality that they've been able to maintain for like 10 years now. Yeah. So, so I would love to have an interview or just talk to some of those people and find out, you know, where do you get your ideas? Yeah. What's your <laughs> don't ask them that story. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Steve Jackson famously <laughs> told Stork, that's a stupid question. When you asked, where do you get your ideas? It is During an interview question. one time. It's fantastic. Right. Um, but yeah, the other thing. What I get thing, for softballing ideas. I'm like, here's here's a really general idea for you to talk about how creative and great you are. And it's steady shot me down. Yeah, in the most commercial way. That's a stupid question. Like, oh, God. Uh, but the other cool thing about interviewing them is they're from the UK. So they can have cool accents, hopefully. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm very easily amused by that. All right. Uh, if mongoose if you're out there call us we'll uh, we'll yeah. talk and we'll do an interview we have twitter now i can just tweet at them <laughs> hi we're the uh, <laughs> rpg podcast would you like to be on our show please uh shall i uh read yes please sean Thanks. near dc's thank email? you for your question there weasel yeah. oh yeah for sure um 
Hello to you all, the happiest of Jacks and Jackiest of happy folk. Congratulations to Captain Kimmy, our sovereign queen of the Advice Show. A world of thanks and all the best to Stu for his many years on the Advice Show throne. Here, here. Today, I ask about how player options and agency may change when a character loses key gear, even if temporarily, based on game system design. Let's unpack this idea with an example using Sir Awesome and his magic MacGuffin Sword of Wonders. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. Okay. During a game, Sir Awesome might temporar temporarily lose his magic sword because he was captured and it is just out of reach. Or the loss could be more long-term, perhaps even permanent, because it was destroyed in an epic battle by his arch-nemesis, resulting in a story that players will recount later at their favorite diner over waffles and motivate future game sessions. Now, let's split RPGs into two broad groups. In the first group, Sir Awesome's sword is a magic weapon, but ultimately it is just a piece of gear. D&D, Shadowrun, and other gear-centric games fall into the group. If Sir Awesome does not have his magic sword in these games, his basic character features are fundamentally unchanged. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. In Shadowrun, if you have an awesome katana or whatever, and you lose it, you can pick up another sword and be almost as good. Mm -hmm. like, certainly. Okay. I think I'm on, on, on board with this. In the second group, Sir Awesome's magic sword is far more integrated into the character's design. We see this in more... Uh, narrative-centric games, some of which hand-wave tracking and use the gear unless that gear helps define the character and things they do. Fate, Cortex, and less gear-focused games fall into this group. Sir Awesome does not have his magical sword in this group of games. Oh, if he doesn't have the sword in this, in this group of games. There could be larger design impacts on Sir Awesome. For example, if in Fate... Sir Awesome's magic MacGuffin sword of wonders would be an aspect. If Sir Awesome does not have his magic sword, the player effectively has one less aspect to use until the magic sword is recovered or the aspect changed to something else. Not having the magic sword when it is an aspect in fate could present other interesting game options and involve plot points, but that might be out of scope for this topic. Some games try to balance between these two game groups. Mutants of Masterminds break gear into devices and equipment uh, based on usage and importance. Characters might temporarily lose their devices, but should always get them back later, like Iron Man and his suit. Fate has similar rules for gear as aspects, but the aspect mechanics may present a greater challenge. If Sir Awesome was in a solo player game, the ramifications might not be so bad. Yet, most of the time we have multiple player characters in game session, so let's say Sir Awesome is accompanied by Madame Marvelous. They are played in Fate, and each character has five aspects. One of Sir Awesome's aspects is his Magic MacGuffin Sword of Wonders. Madame Marvelous does not have any gear as aspects. When they are captured and their gear is taken away, Madame Marvelous still has five functional aspects, but Sir Awesome only has four. This could be seen as an imbalance by the players and an and opportunity for them to claim diminished agency. So to the crew, I ask, what are your thoughts on games that use gear, not just as general equipment, but as core narrative elements? When is it okay for such important gear to be taken away, lost, damaged, and so on? Lastly, do you think Sir Awesome's loss of the Magic MacGuffin Sword of Wonders qualifies as reducing player agency, and does your opinion change based on the type of game? Have you had this happen to you or a fellow player? How did it go? 
All the best. Sean near DC. Are you Jedi on Discord? P.S. What would you get if you cross Wonder Woman with a Transformer? I don't know. Amazon Prime. What's your favorite Wonder Woman joke or pun? Thank you for the email. Yes. This this is a juicy one. But what's your favorite Wonder Woman joke? Uh... I always think of the meme because okay, I'm terrible about my keys, and especially in the morning, I'm stressed out. Losing your keys? Yeah, losing my keys. Like I actually have like the little thing where I can like look on my phone and find my keys because I'm so bad about it. And that was like the greatest. Uh, I can can confirm. Kimmy had to redesign her driveway. (laughs) Yes. Because many's the time that her husband has been trapped behind her car. And she couldn't, and he couldn't get it. Yes. So uh, that was the greatest gift he ever gave himself was me, (laughs) a little tracker thing on my key set that I can like flip open my phone and like, oh, my keys are over there. Um, So I always think (laughs) he used to send me the one where it's like, you are Wonder Woman. I wonder where my keys are. I wonder where my keys is. I wonder. There's like a meme. Uh, (laughs) So that's, it's not a joke per se, but. That's one of my favorite things. That's very good. Yes. So whenever I lose something, there's always that little thing that flips into my head. I wonder where this is. Yeah. I am Wonder Woman. <laughs> I wonder all these things. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. I've learned so much about you right there, too. I've known her for over 10 years. Oh, uh, ADHD. It's amazing. It's great. Lots of wonder. Well, just also mommy brain and just you get busy. Yeah, and it's surprising, surprising how many things you get forgotten when you're busy adulting. Yeah, just things fall out of your head. What yep. you mean, like having a full time job as a teacher, raising a toddler, running an RPG network, running a game company with a Kickstarter that I'm fulfilling right now, and and, and running a household. Yeah, that's right too. Yeah, I mean, sounds easy enough. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I don't need sleep. It's okay. Um, yes, that's my favorite. My favorite Wonder Woman thing. I probably should like look up an actual Wonder Woman joke, but I think that's funny. So, um, well, what do we think about this equipment situation? I uh, I have a couple of thoughts. Okay. Um, there, he's 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 sort of leaving out a couple of games too, and this is the one that really stuck in my car, which is like the superhero games. Since we were on a superhero kick earlier before the game started, we were talking about superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like if you have if you've designed a hero in GURPS or um, Hero or Savage Worlds. And much of your power comes from your magic. Sort of think of the Black Knight or Thor. Thor um, it comes from your right. sword or whatever it is, and you lose it or it's kept from you, then you can't do anything. Are you, you the are god a... of hammers? Right. Well, <laughs> it was ret- retconned. But, yeah, I know. yeah, I'm just kidding. Recently, but yes. I'm not the god of hammers. Um, and it I'd can like effectively. The god of hammers. <laughs> it can effectively make your character ineffectual. And it is basically robbing you of player agency. It's like, well, now I can't do anything because you've taken away my thing. That's the thing that gives me the power to do something. But when you uh, now I'm down... just Donald Blake and I can't do anything with my crippled leg and my wooden cane. When you <laughs> sit down to play, though, and you're playing Tony Stark. I, I'm real quick going to just gonna X card the use of the word cripple. I don't want to use that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, when you sit down to play Tony Stark, you know that if you're not in your armor... Like, I, I think about setting this up in a game like um, Wild Talents, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that makes the armor cheaper in my points mm-hmm. is that it can be taken off of me, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, versus these being inherent powers. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a trade-off in the thing. Mm-hmm. And so, 
part of the thing, like a, a story thing about Tony Stark is getting him out of his armor, mm-hmm. right? It's getting Thor's hammer away, uh, you know? Green it's, Lantern's ring off. Um, oh. Getting Wonder Woman's lasso, you know? Like, that's a story beat for those characters. We don't use that story when we're talking about Spider-Man. We have other things, right? Um, and that's, to me... I, it's not really player agency because I, the player, made this character who has a lot of their power invested into this object. Mm-hmm. And I would be surprised if, okay, the player gets knocked out and they get their armor taken away or whatever. And they're like, wait, what? I, I would be surprised at their surprise, I think. Um, or I would want to have that conversation ahead of time. As yeah, well, you but. want to have that conversation. First of all, you have to be very careful about taking away player stuff. Yeah, I, I any agree. game. Yeah, you, even if you if you put them all in prison and you take away their stuff, you have to give them the opportunity to get their stuff back. Yes. Players get very attached to their stuff, whether it's just uh, their sword because it's theirs. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you on that point. And so you have to be careful with that anyway. But second of all, if, if you've got a character whose soul power derives from a, an object, you have to be able to give give them the choice to give it back because otherwise, you've taken away their entire fun. You've taken away their game. Now they just sit there pouty, and rightfully so. They're like, all right, you guys hit him, and I'm going to stay here out of the way. I'm going to hide behind these boxes. And their whole four-play game sessions until he gets his hammer back sure. is hiding. Mm-hmm. And it's no fun for the player. That's sloppy jamming on your part. Yeah. There yeah, should be you know, something you for should to punish do. him for, for having a magic hammer. Right. Yeah. I mean, Matt Mercer, when he was on our show forever ago, mm-hmm. told a story about this exact thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he had this character. I forget what system they were playing. I think it was one of the anime things. So he made the anime with the big with sword. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sword was his thing. That's what he did. I was like, I've got the sword. Sure. And it was literally like their first session, I think, where the GM like took it away from him. Like permanently? I, I think so. it was as many years it, ago. Enough so that Matt yeah. was like, I'm out. Yes. Yeah, I built the whole character around this sword and being able to do stuff with this sword. And now I can't do it. Take yeah. away the thing I can do. Yeah. See, now that's that's the kind of conversation I would want to have beforehand, where, where like I, I don't mean it as harshly as I'm like, well, if you if you built your whole character around a sword and the sword gets taken away, you're surprised that you're at a disadvantage. I on one hand, okay, but I would have that conversation before. I would be like, okay, so you've built this character around this sword. And you know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to just try to take it away. But as soon as the villain finds out that that's your thing, Superman, I'm going to put a kryptonite necklace on you as soon as I can when I know that that's a thing because that's what a smart villain would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that conversation ahead of time, I think, you know, just to clarify. To, Have you know, ever tried to take stuff away from a player as a GM? Um, you you will suddenly make your players so obsessed with getting that person and and their family and their their house and the city that they live in, they suddenly become completely unreasonable. I think <laughs> yeah, I I think I've I have I've been privy to that experience at least. I don't think I as a GM go around taking away my players' toys, <laughs> but I'm trying to picture the the environment in which that would happen because I have put characters in jail before with expecting a jailbreak. Right. But that means there had to be also some deus ex machina at getting their jailbreak, because if the enemy knows anything about you, they're going to know how to put you in jail that you can't break out. of. Right. Right. And they're not just going to put your stuff right outside the door. (laughs) Right. I think this is where system really matters. 
For the example, for Fate, as a player, when you're playing Fate, you get to pick your aspects. You get to come up with them. So if you as a player choose, like, hey, this one aspect is going to be all around this weapon, like, that's, that is part of your agency. Mm -hmm. Like, you've made the choice to create your aspect something that can be removed from you. So I think, at, like, again, like you were saying, Jason, that's a like thing you have to ha say, like, okay, this is a thing you might drop or get drunk and lose. And maybe not that, but, you know, yeah. um, that's just well, my players. If, if, if I may. Yes. When I wrote Demigods. Oh. <laughs> now, what is Demigod? It's a modern-day magical realism game about playing the adult children of gods. Oh. But there actually is a section in there about your gifts, your your magical items, your magical powers, and whatever. There is a uh, a whole play option. Like in one of the moves, there's a thing that's like one of your gifts goes dead or is unusable. But that's a thing you, the player, choose, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh dang, I dropped my sword. Like I, that's player agency, right? But there's a whole section in there too that says, hey, Harold, don't take their stuff away, <laughs> right? If their stuff goes away, it should be because they chose to throw their magic ring in the lava because they knew it would freeze the lava and they were willing to sacrifice that and tell them this is a big deal, right? Like, don't, it's not a surprise. It's not a gotcha moment. Do it like this or you're doing it wrong. I don't, I don't normally tell people they're playing wrong. There's a lot of right ways to play, but I, I guess the, like, Player uh, items do matter to me because I, I like wrote that into my concern. I'm going to push back a little bit because demigods, especially those items, are different and they usually have different physics than the real world items. So having a sword in another fate game is different. You can't just be like, oh, this is, you know, the magical... You know, this is Milnir, mm. so I'm going to leave it here, and then when I call it, it'll come to me, or it will manifest when I'm there, which is part of demigods, not all the time, but it's definitely something where you could, like, if you get kidnapped by the bad guy, like, there might be a reason where they won't remove your weapon because it's attached to you, or it turns into a bracelet, or only what can be held by you or something because you have that magical demigod power. Sure. And, but you're right, that system matters. Go ahead. But yeah. like I'm 100% I'm with you. Yeah. So there are settings where that's not realistic. Like, it's like, okay, you've just gotten, like, if you're playing a noir game, you're like, okay, I have a, you know, amazing rifle that was given to me by my great-grandfather or something. Like, who knows? Um, and that one of your aspects in Fate, going back to Fate, is that, like, um, shoot him up is your, is your aspect. Right. Um, so with just the special gun like if the mob boss catches you they're gonna like like i feel like that's asking too much of the gym to be like the mob boss lets you keep your shotgun no problem like so so again you do have to have that clear communication of okay this is the type of thing that you've come up with as an aspect this is something that could happen are you sure you don't want this just to be an item and then have another aspect or maybe shoot them up applies to like any gun rather than this one. Um, so having that conversation, because if the player walks into that knowingly, mm -hmm. like, I think that's a fair take. And again, like fate's a different example because you get to create your own aspects. If you're playing something where you, you know, it's D and D and you're like, okay, this is my plus two sword is a big deal in D&D yeah. like that's a whole nother thing where it's like 
you have a very real chance of losing your your stuff there. Um, What's so interesting about D&D, too, is that, uh, especially with 4E, they wanted you to have magic items. You mm -hmm. needed that magic items, and you would constantly you trade up to, and yeah. upgrade. Was, you had to. Yeah, yeah, that was magic item bloat in 4E, for sure. I, yeah. I, liked a, I actually liked a fair amount about 4E, but, like, yeah, the magic item bloat and, and was in a, in a way, the magic items were important to your character, finding the right one that fit and did the right things for you, and people were always sort of, like, metagaming, yeah. like, you know, if you get this wand instead of that dagger, it'll give you this to this to this. And you're yeah. like... This hurts my brain. Can and I just if, kill something? And if that gets taken away, your character's hamstrung. Right. And there's you know a lot less that you can do. Exactly. Um, yeah. And again, I'm always really careful about taking baby. Even like a jailbreak. Jailbreaks always sound fun. Mm -hmm. Like, who doesn't like a jailbreak? But the minute you start trying to take away your player's stuff, they yeah. will rather jump off that cliff than have you take their sword. Even if it's just a run-of-the-mill custom sword they have, you know? They would, like, I'd rather die. But, yeah. But it... And so you have to, okay, guys, I'm going to put you in jail, but you're going to be, you know, at least give them a chance to get their stuff back, or maybe you'll get better stuff. But roll with me on this, because if you guys fight me and kill, commit suicide, we're going to be out of here in two hours. And yeah, done. yeah. I, and I will say, the couple times I've run jailbreaks, like, we got through it, it was fine, but it wasn't that fun. No. <laughs> like, uh, and I, I just recalled um, one of my very first times, I started D&D &D in 3.5 edition, mm -hmm. and we started a campaign. And we made a big deal at some point early on. We were like, okay, we all have horses. Oh, this is cool. And we all talked about what kind of horses we had and whatever. And this was really cool. Name them. And then we, we rode up to some woods and like blink spiders killed our horses immediately. No. And we're like, dude, if you wanted us to go on foot, just tell us we can't have horses. This sucks. Yeah. 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 Like. Yeah. Especially with horses. Don't be mean to horses. Just don't let us have them in the first place. If that's your, if your campaign can't survive us being on horses, then we'll start over. Yeah. Or can we just work with this? Right. Know, like to yes and it? Yeah. Or, or like it would have been really easy for him to say, hey, you know, the forest you guys are headed towards, it's your horses are not going to be able to get through there. So you may want to stable them in an inn or something, you know, like... Or even just stay as much as I like. Your horses are well-trained enough that they will find their way back to the stable. Sure. Done. Problem Great. solved. Whatever. Just like build a pony from Did not the need to murder the fucking horses. It no. sucked. It's never okay. No. And it wasn't even like, we're like, okay, well, we're going into battle with our war horses and, and shit could happen. Like, yeah. it wasn't even that. It was just like, surprise, your horses are dead. Sucks. Sucks to be you, huh? Yeah. Like, what? honestly, the horses would just throw you off and run like hell. So that, you would probably die before the horses, really. But Fine. But, the, but that was the moment. Like, Sork, when you were talking about that idea of, like, taking their stuff away and how yeah. players feel about it, that's what popped in my head. Oh, it was, no. like, that moment of, like, well, why oh, yeah. the fuck did I have this horse oh, yeah. and name and it? And, like, and yeah. why did you let us go through all that? We spent an hour and a half, like, buying and picking out saddles and naming them, and then you killed them. I don't Here. remember the name, but I do remember... That she was like kind of chestnut brown with a white patch, the diamond on the forehead. To this day, to this day, you're still upset. <laughs> she was probably called Diamond or something. <laughs> so uh, that proves my point in many ways. I think it, the cautionary tale as a GM, which is be very careful about taking your player's stuff because people get attached to it. And a lot of people play these games to get stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of fun and helps define your character. You know, you um, when you play in it, it much of the gaming culture now, when you're playing an MMO or you're playing a role-playing game, you, you delight in buying outfits. 
mm-hmm. you spend all this pretend money that you have the you're basically your your bitcoin in, mm-hmm. in wow dollars yeah. or whatever buying useless costume pieces because they look cool maybe you take away your paladin's brass armor and Mm -hmm. and they have to go with something that isn't as flashy but they were very attached to it and it was defining how they did things over the way they looked you know paladins have to look good when they ride onto the field or whatever it is i i think that's the broader topic about taking away their stuff which is as a gm and in any game you either have to have conversations and you have to be very careful about how you approach it and do it. You may have the best of intentions. You may not even think about it. You might just think, well, I'll just take out their horses. It's not a big deal. Only to be surprised that your players are so pissed. And you're like, what? 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 Yeah. You, you, as a GM, need to be very aware of how attached players can get to things. Oh, yeah. man. And people. Uh, we got attached to NPCs. Mm-hmm. And to the point where the GM's like, like, kill them and we get upset. Yeah. So... I think this has brought up the, the whole point to me, which is uh, as a GM, be very careful <laughs> yeah. and think about it and have conversations before you start drastically taking your players' stuff and even stepping on their toes. It yeah. can even just be a visual thing. It doesn't even have to take away their power set. They sometimes get very attached to it. Take away their pretty horses. Burned on their I'm still mad. I know. Kill their NPC quest giver. Especially chestnut horses. Mm. I have a soft spot for those. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the horse sorry. I used to show was chestnut. Uh, Her name was Duchess, and she had a big white blaze that had a perfect oval in I the just middle. described your horse. Yeah, I know. You said that. And oh, I was my like, God. Duchess got I've never even seen a picture of your horse, either. No. That's wild. Okay. I'll post it somewhere. She, like, she had, like, a perfect oval in the middle of her blaze. It was amazing. I, I've only but. recently just started watching, like, horse training videos. There's this woman, Sam Van Vliet, who trains horses, and I, I have known nothing about them, but I find the whole world fascinating. Yeah. Just, a- just the whole energy exchange, and, and she gentles horses with the non-violence, and it's just oh, fascinating nice. to me. Nice. And I, I could, might be speaking out of turn, but aren't the brown chestnuts, like, the most common coloring for horses? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the breed, too. Yes. So, where you are in the world, I imagine. Like, if you have an Andalusian, most of the time they're white, or they turn out, they start gray and they white. Um, if you have, like, a, a chestnut or a, a brown Andalusian, it's actually very rare and really desired. Um, because, like Lepizoners, they're very much in the gray and white coloring. But so for Morgans and Clydesdales and uh, hot bloods and yeah. wet mustangs and for tons of them, it's very common. Yeah. Well, so... Welcome to our equestrian podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that. One of the things, sorry to derail the horse okay. conversation, but um, one of the things that a D and D DM did for me that I didn't realize I would like, and I had done in Shadowrun for years. Because I'd only ever played Shadowrun for years. And then I played GURPS and Palladium and, you know, all that, that whole school of games. Because I like point-based games. Um, the like, whole class and level thing never clicked. I but, like point-based games, too. I love buying stuff. And I like yeah. being able to modify them on the fly. And, totally love it. and in Shadowrun, I would buy a submachine gun. And then I wasn't going to go buy a better one. I was going to put a laser on it. What? And I was going to put stabilizers on it. And, like, extend the stock. And, like, customize it. And, like... All right, this thing kicks ass. As right? Steve has pointed I, out, players love shopping. Yes. And they love they, shopping to buy stuff for their things. Especially in a game where your gear matters. <laughs> yes. You know, like in, in Demigods, as much as I say be kind to their gear, all the weapons do the same amount of damage. Yeah. There's no, you know, like there's no numeric disadvantage to having to picking up a different weapon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that. But having um, a D&D DM 
say, okay, gang, you've got your, your plate armor. When you pick up new magic armor, you can keep that and bond it to you if you want, or you can do this ritual that you all know and meld its dust into your gear, right? And your gear will become the plus two with whatever that, you know, it'll like override whatever the other ability was. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's like, I've never seen anyone do that before. I was like, that that's cool. It's a little non-gaming rule that won't break the game and, and fixes a lot of things for right. me. Yeah. You know, and whatever that game was in, it was like, um, and I carried this over because I know I had some of this description in um, Abria's Dragon Heist game that mm -hmm. she ran for us. But I was playing a character who had plate armor and there was this elaborate, I think it was a lion face or something. This was before World of Warcraft. <laughs> I didn't know about uh, all the, you know, whatever. But I was like, man, this armor is so cool. What's going to happen when I get it up for World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Well, no, 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 the, the MMO. The MMO. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, World of Warcraft, the MMO, was long before we met Abria, my friend. No, 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 this, whatever this other D&D &D game was. Oh, oh, oh. That, where the, D, the DM was saying, Oh, I'm sorry. Here, here's how I'll let you upgrade your stuff so you yeah. don't have to get rid of your thing and just drop this awesome plate armor on the ground because you found this other armor. God, I'm sorry, I, like, listen, I, I glommed onto you talking about Abria's Dragon Heist, and I'm like, Dude, <laughs> that's fine. World of Warcraft is old by the time Abria was running Dragon I often Ice. come unstuck from time, and so it's I do not mind being called out on time <laughs> references. Um, so that's fine. But um, I just remember thinking, like, no one's I've never seen anyone talk about this in a game like D&D, &D where the, the gear is so static and not meant to be upgraded or modified. I remember, like, from early on, I was yeah. trying to make an artificer, and it didn't exist. Right. You know, right. and then once the artificer came out, I was like, that's what I was talking about. What? That's we, what I was trying to do. We used to, like, go to a place called Square Deal Sam's, and you could either buy items or have them made. Mm. No, but you would pay for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we even, have, we even house ruled, like, if you just went to a fine bladesmith, they could make you a plus one blade. It was like well balanced. It fit your hand, and it would, be, would give you a plus one. But it wasn't magical per se. Sure, it didn't overcome Very magical well. resistance. But it was yeah, masterwork. Cut better is a masterwork, right? Yeah, which they now incorporate it. But back then, we just like that. You can do this. It's a thing you can do with all this extra copper that you're hauling around in your yard. Yeah. Have magical items and stuff made, and then you get pissed off when your custom made weapon that you paid money for that you uh, spent hours describing and drawing and a little tablet stuff gets taken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and this DM who would let us combine new stuff, he was also the first one I'd heard say, okay, don't worry about what your arrows, like he did want to count the arrows and stuff, but he was like, don't worry about what those are. Whatever your bow is, when you pull it back, the arrow, if it's a magic bow, right, it adapts the arrow to, like now it's, it's if it's a silver bow, then the arrow becomes silver tip and like, oh. great. All right. <laughs> you know, like it's a magic bow. Yeah, who does that? Why like, wouldn't it? What? Why go through all the trouble of like? Okay, well, I now I have seventeen silver arrows. I'm like, he did want to count the arrows though. Like I do, I remember that <laughs> that part. Um, but it would go, it would do its thing. It would be poison or silver or whatever, and then it would go back to being a normal arrow, which I guess isn't how most people do it. But I thought that was cool. Well, that way there's not a lot of silver arrows lying around in the right. battlefield that anybody yeah. can. Take and, sell. and just make money off of that. Yeah. Why, why are we adventuring? Let's just Let's shoot just silver arrows at the wall. That's exactly what happened. Somebody <laughs> shot a bunch of silver arrows into a tree, plucked them out, went out, and bought stuff. They're like, changing the rule. Done. <laughs> All right. I think that was good. So, yeah.
sometimes player agency, depending on the system. But a lot of it is handled by having a pre-talk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you're There's making so characters, um, talk about whether you want, as the GM, you want the option to take their stuff away. Mm -hmm. Have that conversation. And even okay, like I have this idea, the kernel of an idea for a traveler game. Yeah. Uh, but it would be a low-tech traveler game, so I need to have that conversation with the players. Like, so go ahead and make your characters as normal, but know that we're probably going to be in a low-tech, like tech one, tech two. Yeah, we're not going to have world. lasers. We're not going to. Yeah. And it's going to start out your your ship is crashing. Okay. So know that. But I, I was sitting here thinking, I'll just launch into it. I'm like, no, because if everybody makes an engineer and they're all really good at fighting and piloting and they've got their their lasers yeah, and stuff, and then I take and, it from them the yeah. first ten minutes of the game, they are going to be pissed. Yeah, that's leave. less fun. So it's again, it's the kind of thing. Like even though I'm not necessarily taking their stuff, but I'm making their stuff maybe ineffectual or limited. You need to have that conversation ahead of time, so mm -hmm. that they are at least not blindsided by it, so that everybody when they Get to, to pick, pick a skill, skill, pick swords mm -hmm. <laughs> instead, yeah. of, instead of laser rifle all the way across. Yeah. Um, but that's just being a mature GM and yeah. having and, and knowing an and adult being, conversation. Well, just, okay, I guess maybe and maybe this is pushing it a bit, but having a, a bit of empathy for your players. If you've ever been on the other side of the table and you know how shitty it feels to have your horse killed, then mm. you as a GM wouldn't do it. I mean, I wouldn't do it anyway. Right. right. Well, yes. I mean, haven't helped the GM that killed my horse. Can I just say right? that that joke has come up in games for me because pets have always before I understood lines and veils and X cards, pets have always been basically invincible. Like I told people, I'm not going to kill your pet. And the joke was, OK, I pick up my dog in front of me and run forward. Like, yes. <laughs> no, that's not what was actually happening in the game. But like, stop breaking my game. <laughs> Like, they, they knew I wasn't, wasn't going to kick the dog. <laughs> yeah, but that's... Or yeah. or if it's your magical familiar, like, they might poof, you know, and then you can resummon them. Later. Yeah, that's like, different. When you have players that do that, how do you handle it? Do you just look at them in the eye and go, is this really fun for you? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've never had anyone try it seriously, right? It was always, a, they, they would joke about it. But, like, but I've had similar things where people find a little loophole and they just pick at it. Yeah, at yeah, it. I've definitely been and in that situation. And you're like, mm, you're a douche. Yeah. Usually, like, this is, now you're not having fun for anybody. You're gleefully smug that you found an error in my house rule or in the rules. And right. now you're lording it over me. You're, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're set. Yeah. yeah. All right. We fixed it. Thank you for joining us for Season 30, Episode 3 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is... I podcast. There we go. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Jason. <laughs> uh, if you enjoy the show, please make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you can. Um, and please send us emails. Yeah, we need please. emails right now. So happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we're going to leave you with a song. Um, we're actually going to leave you with a song by the world-famous Poxy Boggards this weekend. Now, what's the Poxy Boggards? Yeah, that's not a thing I'm going to say, even on this podcast. Um, <laughs> They're a bunch of really old men that have been around a long time that do folk music in the vaudeville-style show. Yeah, I like the, the air quotes fair. around folk music. Well, <laughs> I don't know what else. It's the only genre it fits in, but... I'll... It's kind of prog rock now. Prog rock came from folk. If you listen to Jethro Tull, and yes, oh, sure. and there's a lot yeah. of folk in it. But my point is that it's they're yeah. 
you Google them. They're on Spotify. They're everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere well, I, I, th I, was, I thought you wanted a definition of poxy, and I'm like, that's a little bit much. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. I know what that word means. Yeah. Um, so we're actually playing uh, a song by Stu that he released also as Angry Folk Band called Casilda's Song. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is inspired by uh, Eldritch Horror and, uh, and that whole genre. Um, and so here you go. You can listen to that, and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 sink behind the lake and the shadows lengthen in Carcosa Strange is the night where black stars rise and strange moons circle through the skies but stranger still is lost Carcosa Song of my soul, my voice is dead Die thou unsung as tears unshed Shall dry and die in lost Carcosa Shall dry and die in Las Carcosas.